Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 1984 very good, very good. And <laughs> keys down the bottom there. Miguel late out. Miguel was a late out. We've activated the Medi sub. Bender's in. And uh, keys, you're back with us once again. How's things? Yeah, good. Yeah, Miguel can no longer hang shit on Kate on West Coast social media for uh, no. Full on Swifties on the fucking injury list after he pulled out one hour before bounce down. No, and it's been another week for that. We will, of course, get into it when we talk the Gold Coast Suns matchup later on, but. Another week, gents, where you look at the injury list and it's all right, pretty short, doesn't look too bad, and then Thursday rolls around and wouldn't you know it, everybody's injured. But there'll be plenty of time to talk about that. We will get into the football right now. Uh, a few plugs off the top. As always, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the audio versions are on all your podcast apps. So share the show, share the love. West Coast Eagles, 10 goals, 2, were defeated by St Kilda, 14-6-90. An accurate game, gentlemen. Uh, Bender, we've talked about this one as for a couple of weeks, you know, maybe a winnable game. And there were moments and there were patches. There was good footy. Eagles actually came out to a good start, which we highlighted last week is very important. But yet again, it's probably that fourth quarter endurance. It's the stamina. I don't know if it's the interrupted preseason, but a competitive three-quarter time score turns into a relatively comfortable win for the opposition. So... Much of the same for the West Coast Eagles, unfortunately. It felt remarkably similar to the Hawthorne game in that, you know, if we, was, we were in it till halfway through the third arm wrestle and then kicked away early into the fourth or whatever and probably made it look a, a lot, I don't know, look, look like a lot better win than it was judging by the scoreline. But mm. um, I think I think you've mentioned it before. We, we just don't have the, the ability to run out of game at the moment, you know, whether it's the, the preseason and the COVID and the injuries. We've got two and a half quarters of football, I think, in the team. And then anything more than that, we just can't, can't keep up. It was, but yeah, look, I think overall, it was a, a, a decent game to watch and it just kind of got away from them in the end. Keys, Simo pointed out, you know, that's however many times now in a row since the bye we've been competitive or the game's been more or less there to be won uh, at three-quarter time. We talked last week about how these teams both leak these big runs of goals. You know, the Saints do it, and equally we've seen the Eagles do it as well. It wasn't really that. It was a lot of, you know, three goals here, and then we'll get two goals back. Maybe you'll get a goal. And It was quite an even contest in the scheme of things. And yet, you know, it, it's a familiar territory. Are you, I suppose, encouraged by that? Does that make you think, well, there you go. There's one problem they know they need to solve. It's the fourth quarters. Or is it just a bit hard to take positives from, from yet another disappointing loss like that? I think it was... <clears throat> The game was pretty even. Um, mm. I think I, it was a sort of different way to lose this time than than some of the others. In that, what like we didn't—I mean, we conceded seven goals in the second quarter. Um, 
But apart from probably the last five minutes, it wasn't like we gave up a big clutch of goals in a in a row. It was sort of two right on the siren as well. And we kicked four. Yeah, of so, so it's, I think yeah. you know with you know five or six minutes to go in the second quarter, I think we're still only, we're down by maybe um, like a goal or something like that. And then they got they sort of just got on top of us. Mm. And then the third quarter was was probably really odd in that. Um, we we dominated field position. Um, I looked at the thing. There was a stat. We had a run in the third quarter. We had fifteen inside fifties to one. So the ball, the ball just lived down our end. But we just couldn't, we couldn't score. Mm. Um, I mean, I think for all our dominance, and I think well, we we kicked two or maybe three goals in the in the th- two goals in the th- in the third quarter. Um, so I think that was that was that was our problem. Was that mm. we just couldn't? Whereas we've actually been reasonably efficient at scoring once we get the ball in there. Our problem's been just not getting it down there enough to give the forwards a chance. But um, you know, we pushed it a few chances and and things like that. And then I think yeah, the last the last quarter we just St Kilda steadied, and I mean they didn't blow us out of the park in the last quarter. And again, a bit like the second quarter, they got a couple of goals late that probably. You know, we probably deserved to lose by two or three goals. I don't think we deserved to lose by by five. Mm. Um, and I think even the inside fifty by the end of the game, I think it was like fifty two forty seven or something like that. Which there's not many games we've had where we've been that close inside fifty differential. Um, so it's, yeah, I, and I think what Simo said, I thought oh, I, went, I went back and had a look since the bye. We haven't been behind any game by more than three goals at three quarter no. time. Even that so, Geelong game was, you know, right there, third quarter. The Carlton game, we obviously got yeah, blown out in so the last, but three-quarter time, yeah, it was good. So every game, we've been we've been thereabouts. So there's, you know, there's positives to take out of that. I mean, you have to you have to factor in that apart from apart from Geelong, none of the sides that we played since the bye are actually sitting in the eight. I mean, Carlton. And oh, sorry, Carlton. Yeah, but Carlton. they absolutely smashed us, though. To be fair. Yeah. Um, so you know Richmond and St Kilda are on the on the edge, but then Adelaide, Hawthorne, and and Essendon are all sort of you know at a level they're bottom six, albeit a level above us. But you know there was things there, and I think it's funny. I mean the, the inside fifty count it was odd that it was so relatively even because you've got the feeling at the game that that midfield got smashed. And when you look at the stats, like the top. The top five or six stat getters on the ground were all St Kilda mids, Steele and Crouch, and and we weren't. You know, I think Cully was the most, was the highest or second highest for our mids, and he had twenty. Um, you know, yeah, we oh, sorry, excuse me, sorry, Redden, I should say twenty five led our mids, yeah. and then Cully had nineteen, Shuey eighteen. We can get onto Tim Kelly a bit later on. Oddly enough, yeah. okay, we've won the clearances. Uh, and Shuey had Shuey had two or three at half time. He came back into in the. In the second half, but like our, our mids were just you know in term weight numbers were Polacks, albeit St Kilda's possession count was was sort of boosted. They had really high handball numbers. Um, so but you know I think the biggest takeaway for me was the effort was there, and this and for a side that's only won two games, the spirit within the group actually still seems pretty strong for a. Yeah, you know, a big criticism of the club's been that you know Simpson's lost the players and yada yada yada. But I, I think you saw it when Rotham kicked his goal; every player went to Rotham. 
like everyone, mm. I watched it, you know. And then, you know, Cully, probably not everyone, but, you know, it was five minutes to go and we were three or four goals down or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, I still feel like they did a good effort of it. I think the yeah, like, Jacob you know, went like around him. Player, but it was like genuine excitement from the players about it. So, and, it, and like I said, the third quarter, the effort and the intensity and effort from the players was was really good. Mm. So, you know, there's something, there's there's enough there to turn around and think, well, okay, well, maybe we've, 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 we've hit the bottom and we're slowly climbing our way back out of it. Uh, a few comments here just on the St Kilda game. Well, actually, first off, just on the podcast in general, uh, surprised Keys isn't watching the Neighbours finale. Apparently, we're going head-to-head with the Neighbours finale. Did any of you guys know about this? Yeah, well, yeah, Dickless Oka would be watching Neighbours, I'm sure. <laughs> well, there you go. That's good Good stuff. Fantastic. Uh, Miguel Sanchez, obviously injured and unavailable for the pod. Fantastic to see him in the comments once again. G'day, Mix. <laughs> we had 20 inside 50s for two goals in the third quarter, which is very unlike us, as he points out. Look, it also must be said, 10 goals too. You know, if we have a leave a few out there, maybe the scoreline looks a bit ugly. On that, uh, June says the scoreline made it look worse than it was, which I agree. And asking, yep. is, it a, is it a fitness issue or is it a mental issue for me? And we've discussed it. I reckon it's that preseason. Maybe it's a cop-out. Maybe it's an easy thing to say, but... I think they've been so shattered from the the preseason from hell we were even talking about at the time. It's the listen, fact that it's listen the same. To, listen to any club or any player talk about missing time during a preseason. How hard it is to catch up, mm-hmm. and when you've had so so many guys miss, so many guys get COVID and lose fitness and things like that, you can't you can't get fitness you can't get fitness back during a season. It doesn't no. happen. And I think that's phase. part of the and, reason. And so many players, it's it's an issue. I think that's perhaps the reason we've looked a bit better after the buyers. Maybe there's a reset. Maybe there's a chance to get back into things. Uh, Bender, a few stories to come out of the game. We can tackle a couple of these, any order you want, you know, fire away. First of all, Tom Barras, another fantastic game. Led the disposals in back-to-back games for the Eagles, which is good and bad, but TB's doing all that he can. Uh, And the other one, a few sort of positional changes. You know, we saw Jai Cully get the majority of the midfield centre bounce attendances, the most for the Eagles. Uh, we saw Redden on the wing, we saw Gaff on the half-forward flank, and there's a little bit of a much more visible from the outside willingness to throw the magnets around and maybe do some different stuff with a couple of veterans, give the kids a bit more of a chance. Yeah, the, the Barras matchup on King, I think it was the biggest worry, or King was the biggest worry going into the game, um, and he gave him an absolute bath. Like even the, the two goals yeah. were one, a, a, a fluke, front and centre, that he, he should have been going up for the mark, but he's roved it and kicked it. And the other one, I think he was just like a... He managed to, to wrong foot Barras on a on a kick over the shoulder that came in. Um, and, and then put and him in a headlock jumped off Put him mm. in a headlock and, um, in the goal square. That's a high free yeah. kick by my count. So, but he he absolutely pantsed him. It was it was good to see. Um, continuing good form. Um, but, you know, when you, you're the full back and you're leading possession winner, it just shows how much it's coming in. So it makes it yes. even... Probably more impressive that he kept him to two goals. So, so that's very good. But you're you're right about the positional changes. You can definitely see it. There's you, there's no question that they're trying something different. That they it was obvious in the first quarter they were looking for the corridor almost the first first time they got it. They were always looking towards to move through the corridor. Um, players were in different spots. One the Foley's still the questionable one. I don't know why he's what he's doing. But, mm. but yeah, it was you, you're right. It's you, you can't look. I think people have. 
they spent that first half of the year saying, you know, we're losing, where's the changes, where's the trying something new, we can't see it. And I don't think you can question that in the second half of the season. They've, they've definitely given it a go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big one that was evident from the start basically was Rotham warming up with the forwards, playing some ruck time, which we've spoken about. Uh, Aaron in the comments saying TB gave King a bath. And Mark in the comments here says, uh, put McGovern, Sheed, Yo, Natanui and Alan back in our team. And we would be and we would be winning more games. Certainly, no argument here on that one. The willingness, I guess, Rotham. We've seen Ro- uh, Ruck. Okay, he's almost out of necessity in the waffle. But it wasn't just that they played him in the Ruck as a chop out. He was a forward. He was up the ground. You know, we saw it, the Gaff half forward flank one. We'll get back into a bit later on in the show because I do want to talk about Gaffy for his two fiftieth. But they've moved some guys around in interesting ways, and not just the vets. There's been a younger guys. Um, Foley, as Bender just touched on, then I think we can circle back to as well later on in the show. But uh, keys for yourself. How did the Rotham in the ruck situation go? And do you think maybe if he's not a ruckman, is he a half forward flanker? Is he a winger? Is there something there to work with? Yeah, I, th- I think there is. I mean, Rotham was, I mean, for the first half of this season, just seemed to be drifting along. And he uh, was one of my massive disappointments for this year because he just, he had opportunity to play games and just didn't seem to want to take it. Looked to be second guessing himself a, a lot, just. Completely devoid of confidence. On the weekend, I thought, like, he attacked the game really hard. Um, you know, when he was in, he looked really engaged in the game, um, far more than I'd seen from him uh, for some time. Uh, you know, got himself a couple of goals, um, you know, and in the ruck, he didn't embarrass himself either. I, I mean, I rate, we spoke about that, you know, I rate Marshall pretty highly, um, and we lost this hit out fairly significantly, but I thought Rotham competed pretty well. And whilst I wonder, I, I thought that was probably one of, if not Brad uh, Bailey Williams' best games for the club. Mm. Um, I thought he, he he got better as the game went on as well. I, I thought he, he actually had quite a strong game. Took a really good mark in that uh, sort of se- second quarter, kicked the goal. Yep. Um, again, he sort of, you know, he, he looked a lot more competitive and for for something that I thought was a real Williams for me was a potential D list candidate at the end of the year. Um, he showed enough to suggest that you know there's there actually is something to work with, and as he matures a little bit, you know we, we maybe do have a a guy who can contribute something without being a superstar, but can be a can be a handy player. So those those two were um, you know quite. This is just this is we'll get to it later. It's a shame Rothens ended up injured. Yeah, I, I would would have liked to see um, if he could back that up. Yeah, uh, around the ground, Bailey was good in the comments here. Bailey Williams was actually okay, which was the biggest surprise. <laughs> Damning with faint praise, but I don't think unfair by any stretch. Uh, Bender, obviously the big story for the Eagles from a development point of view, it's the youth, it's the kids. Hoff, maybe not, well, definitely not his best game, but maybe due for a rest, might have had one, had the injuries not cropped up. Uh, Bazo's another guy we've talked about how comfortable he looks down there did a couple of things I'm sure he'd like back but then it's Jai Cully you know we've got all the hopes on him and you can't overburden the guy with something like this but 19 disposals 7 tackles so he's backing up the tackle effort he's in and under doing all the dirty stuff got his goal kicked a weird left foot over his head ran I don't know if that was a shot or a pass but whatever it was it worked out to Liam Ryan at some point and as I said look 21 centre bounce attendances more than any other Eagles player the most of any player on the field tied with a couple of the Saints. So 
they're giving him an opportunity to show his wares and say, you know what, you're a midfielder, go play in the midfield. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think it's it's glaringly obvious how, you know, he's he's not only a big a big boy in our team, he's a big he's a big unit in terms of height mm. and reach Absolutely. in the AFL altogether to be playing midfield. But it, I think it exposes probably, um, you know, our lack of maybe not having Yo in the midfield for the past two or three years, having that that big per, the, you know, big player that can reach for the ball before anyone else that's strong enough or long enough arms to get the hand pass out. And you can see he's already doing it and, and making a, a big difference to that that first touch and handball out at the um at the stoppage every time. And he just doesn't like he, he doesn't look like someone that's overawed at all. He just looks like he's he's slotting in, he's not scared to to throw his weight around or push players around and it's impressive from someone just to walk in and do that. But it's, you're right, though. I think Pete, we've all jumped on him pretty quick. Um, you know, there was a, personally, I thought, you know, if he didn't get picked up last year, you know, is he really that much chop? And he appears, you know, if he's if he's worked on his deficiencies from last year, it's it's quite evident how talented he is. So yeah, big shining light to come out of the second half of the year, and hopefully, you know, he can build on it with a, a big preseason, and he'll be even better next year. You know. Cully for PM coming through in the comments here, says Aaron. Uh, it makes you excited, I suppose, for... It's a tough one. As I'm, I'm constantly on the record, I'm no draft guy. I understand people maybe don't rate our drafting, recruiting team that highly, but if there's a guy there who's just sort of playing out of position, it's you know, there's reasons like this that the rookie list exists, you know? Are there some guys that we could take a punt on? If you happen to nail one of those a year ahead of the curve, it is the sort of thing that can really kickstart a reboot because Cully's been a free hit. And thank God we were last at the bye weeks or whenever the uh, mid-season draft kicked in because he looks like an absolute steal. Uh, Keys, whilst we're talking midfield, let's talk about Tim Kelly. Seemingly every performance of Tim Kelly is a referendum on the Tim Kelly trade. It's, you know, we have to have a full-on commission into was it worth it, was it not worth it, this is where he plays, this is how much we gave up. He had a bad game. He had a very bad game. There's no getting around it. Was he hobbled from the week before? Maybe. But from my perspective, if he puts his hand up to play or if the clubs say you're going, you're going. So it was a bad game. Seemingly, it's been the story to come out of the game for this one. So where do you sit on, on Tim Kelly after definitely his worst performance for the club? But, you know, obviously we've seen some good stuff from him in recent weeks as well. Yeah, look, he had a bad game. I mean, no, you can't deny that. I mean, I... Watching the game, I was surprised that he only came away for four possessions because it didn't seem like he was that far out of the game. He sort of seemed like he was about. He just couldn't get his hands on it. Um, I, it's the problem when you've got no depth in your midfield um, and you've got no... We've got no... As much as Cully had a good game, I think he's he's a second gamer. So sides aren't going to be worried about him chopping them up into little pieces and just carving through. And I think... We saw in the Hawthorne game when Kelly had 40 positions and two goals, you know, what he can do if you just let him go. So, you know, St Kilda weren't going to do that. And they just said they could afford to sit on him and just not let him get anywhere near it, knowing mm. full well that, you know, there wasn't going to be someone else chopping. And, you know, he had a bad game. And I think, I think you know, unfortunately, I remember, I reckon I said on the pod at the time we traded for Kelly that the draft. The sex of the draft would live on die on whether or not we want to flag with him um, of, the, of the trade because it was a big risk. We we yeah. gave up a lot for him and we went all in trying to get what we saw as a missing piece to do it. And it was always going to be judged by if we want to flag Kelly, everyone would be saying it was a great idea. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't, everyone would bag, you know, people would bag it and question whether or not. Unfortunately, you know, 
circumstances have turned out that it, you know, in, with the benefit of the hindsight, it's been it's probably been the wrong it's been the wrong trade. You know, if you if you had your time again, knowing what we do, you wouldn't do it again. But at the time, um, yeah, it was a risk worth taking. You know, it's blown up in our face, but you know those things happen. Um, I, I I just think he gets he gets unfairly criticised because I think he's being forced. There's been some discussion on the board this week about inside midfielders and balanced midfielders and outside midfielders and it's apart from the, the few people involved that's been doing everyone's fucking head in. Um, <laughs> but but Kelly, I, I think he's being asked to play a role that he's not ideally suited for. I think he's the value of Kelly and the value of Kelly at Geelong was was he could get his ball, he could win his own footy on the on the inside from time to time. But his damage was was getting the ball on the outside. You think of Kelly's highlights is when someone's feeding out to him and he's on the run and he's streaming forward into into fifty or or running through and kicking a goal through the fifty metre line. He just hasn't had the freedom to do that because we need because with Shuey and Yo in particular and to a lesser extent Sheed missing so much footy, mm. we've relied on Kelly to be doing the job that that he's not ideally suited for, and I think um, people need to remember that. Um, so yeah. You know, he had a bad game. Players have had bad games. You know, even Judd had bad games as well. You know, he got reported in the game playing against St Kilda because um, Stephen Baker, Baker got hold of him and kicked him to nine possessions and he yelled by Baker in the face. So, you know, it happens from time to time. You know, I'm sure he, he's pretty proud. He'll, um, you know, he'll be pretty keen to bounce back against Gold Coast on the weekend. He'll be fine. It, it, it's this week-to-week cycle and... Pretty much whenever I see uh, Kane Corns get involved in something, he was saying, oh, Kelly's not been good enough. Gaff Kane Corns is enough. a fucking muppet and he should be fucking shot. There you go. I endorse that <laughs> message. Honeybirds 35. Now, nah, he was talking about, oh, Gaff didn't get enough touches either, thereby confirming that, of course, he did not watch the game. Gaff played on half forward flank. Shut up, Kane Corns. Let's get into some buy-sell-hold, gentlemen. Let's uh, move on to that little segment there. Bender, do you want to lead us off? You can, do you want to start with a buy or a hold or a sell? Who do you want to start with and, uh, and take it away? Um, look, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to start with my sell. I like to start off negative and then you know, finish on Good. a positive note. So my, my sell is purely just because of position and is just Foley. Um, you know, I don't, he's obviously not influencing the game. I don't think when, he, when he's got the ball, he's done anything wrong. He just hasn't got the ball, you know, so... Yep. Um, I think he's he's obviously well. I, I'm assuming he's been kept in the in the team to be some sort of defensive halfback flank to stop the run from the back line. But it doesn't seem to be that he's he's having an influence either way, whether it's you know getting his own ball or stopping the player from doing that. Um, I don't think I see a, a a forward in him, and I I don't know maybe Petrocelli back this week pushes him out of that particular position, but. That, that's it. I just don't. I just think he's a bit of a waste of a spot at the moment. Um, I think we can get more from someone else, but you know we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, throw a few magnets around when we get to the changes. But Miguel in the comments saying Foley should go back this week with no Witherden or Bazo. Uh, a small lockdown defender would be nice as well, says Aaron Foley back maybe. So this is obviously the thinking of Eagles fans. Whether or not that's where the coaching panel are at, I'm not sure. But he doesn't look suited to it. You look and you go, we've got. Rioli to come back, We've got Petrocelli to come back, even Langdon or these sorts of guys, somebody was going to get a last chance, something like that. Foley is not a forward. He doesn't seem to have the craft. 
he's clearly not doing a tagging job either because they're running off us all day. I mean, what Sinclair had 30. How many did he have? 27, you know, carving us up. So it's not working. Whatever it is, it is, it's not working. So I reckon maybe time to push him back. Uh, Keys, do you have a sell for us or shall I go? Uh, yeah, I endorse Foll is a defensive forward. Yeah, I, I thought initially I saw him line up on Sinclair at the opening mm. bounce. Um, and I thought, okay, we're trying something different. You know, I we talked on the pod last week about Sinclair being an important rebound. I thought, okay, well, that's fair enough. That's and I think he shook his hand, and then that's it. Didn't see him again for the rest of the match. Yeah. Um. So you know that didn't work. Um. I'm selling the Optus Odom Optus Stadium surface. Um. And not just because of the weekend. It's uh, as much as it's been getting crit- I think in in all fairness. When you've had as much rain as what we've had in Perth, and you've has had that amount of traffic over it in in recent weeks, it's pretty hard for the ground staff to get it up. But the problems with Optus Stadium surface goes back to 2018 when we first mm. started playing there. Um, it's an issue. We've got four, we've got three three players out injured this week with leg injuries. St Kilda have got two players out this week with leg injuries. Um, you you can't you can't escape that there's something with that surface that, that that's creating problems. So yeah, I'm selling that and replacing it with s- something different. Very nice. Did I see that they've relayed a part of it today? There was some sort thousand, of... thousand square meters. So um, so that's in broad terms. What's the, it sounds a lot, but it's like that's no, nah, it's between the fifties basically. 30, thirty by thirty, thirty by thirty. Something like that. So it's not not that, um, but yeah, you, you know, I think beyond this week, they need to sit down and work out just what the fuck is going on with that ground because it's creating it's creating problems for us. And Fremantle, Fremantle haven't been, um, you know, they've had their share of leg injuries as well. So yeah, I'm selling that. Uh- Speaking of what the fuck's going on, we've got some. I can only assume they're neighbours' comments coming through here from Miguel in the in the comments here. Paul Robinson's been stabbed apparently. Doctor Carl is operating on him now. I can't expect these are real, but I don't know enough about neighbours to know. If, is that the is that what's happening? I don't know. Good luck to them all. Uh, my cell is going to be Witherden. He didn't play particularly poorly on the weekend in the scheme of things. Obviously, I'm not exactly a Witherden fan. I've been quite vocal on that. But just with the injury now and his contract situation, I wonder is this. Was this a last chance for him or was this they actually were picking him because he was the best option? I'm not sure. If it was a last chance, well, he's now out of the team injured. You've got to think that, all right, Bazo's been playing well. Hoff's more of a winger than a half back nowadays, but they've got a draft class to get through. They've got Foley playing out of position. They've got interesting options there. Cole to come back into the team <laughs> next year and this sort of stuff. I just want, if that was the last we saw a Witherden, was he terrible? Did he embarrass himself on the weekend? No, but did he do enough to demand a new contract? I wouldn't have thought so. So that'll be my sell there. Uh, my hold is going to be Xavier O'Neill. He was pretty quiet on the weekend after a pretty good game the week before. Simo said something today, and this is the reason that I'm having it. Let me see if I can scroll down and find this. But essentially he said, look, the youth is the future. The children are our future. And uh, he said, it's, you know, it's Bazo, it's Hoff, it's Cully, and it's O'Neill. So... Just interested me that he was included in that group. From an age profile, he's obviously a little older than those guys, but maybe, maybe he's still around. Obviously, he's still in the team as we understand it at this point. So a little bit more time on the ball and maybe that's somebody that we're going to persist with. So I'll, I'll hold on to Exxon for a little while. Uh, Bender, who is your hold? 
Uh, we touched on it was Bailey Williams. Um, I think he had a great, and, and uh, I think Aaron said it. <laughs> so, sorry, I, <laughs> think, I, still uh, both? I think I think Keys might have been the uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be quick. It was just a big, big couple of grabs around the ground. I think he improved it again as the game went on. Um, but yeah, a, a bit to like, like you said. Um, I think Keys said before best game for the club. So yeah, it was nice. Ten clearances from eighteen touches isn't bad, Keys. Although a lot of those were Rowan Marshall just jumping into him and not understanding how the ruck contest works, even though he's a week-on-week ruckman. I don't understand that. But by the reaction, Keys, it looks like Williams was your hold, was he? Yeah, he, he was. But I'll go I'll go with his partner in crime on the weekend and, and hold on Rotham. Yeah. Um, said a bit about him before. Um, you know, for a guy who I actually thought looked disinterested early part of the season, he, he looked pretty good. Um, like I said, shame he's injured because I would, I'd like to have seen him back that up. But I'll hold on him for now because he, he showed that he's maybe got a bit of versatility and there's some options there with him uh, beyond uh, a third tall, small hybrid Brad Shepard sort of replacement when he's perhaps not suited to that role. Brad Shepard from Wish. Uh, my buy will be Jai Cully. I will keep it short and sweet. He played more minutes. He played more midfield minutes. Kicked a goal. He wasn't hurt. I cannot tell you how appalled I was when I saw him grab at his leg on that mark when he kicked his goal. It was just cramps, I think. I think it was just cramps. I think we're all clear. Jai Cully, just buying all the stock. Not a, not a curveball, not a surprise, but just give me all the Jai Cully stock. Thank you. Uh, Keys, who are you buying this week? Um, yeah, endorse Cully. I, the thing I like about Cully is he he looks the type of player that doesn't like, lo- like, doesn't like losing a contest. Seems mm. to like it's a personal insult when someone beats him. Um, so, and that's the type of player you need. You need guys that are going to get pissed off and going to get their hands dirty and things like that. My only knock on him at the moment is there's times where he kind of he kind of looked a bit slow. Um, that could have been a bit to do with the ground and things like that. I mean, that might be it. Might be a fitness type thing because he's still new to footy. But yeah, I'm. I'm all over him. I think we got, from what I can glean from this year's draft, he's, he probably would have been, he would have been, he'd probably be a first round pick, uh, not not pick one in the draft, but I think he would have been, he'd probably really been in the discussions as a first round pick in the draft, so he's a bit of a bonus. Um, my boy is Tommy Barras as our next captain. Yep. Um, I think he's really, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought I said this 12 months ago because. He's a bit of a thinker. He's a bit of a different sort of guy. He can he can be, he can appear a little bit aloof at times, um, but I think as this year's gone on, he's really developed as a genuine leader at the footy club. Um, Eagles traditionally like defenders as captains, and I think he's a guy that um, we signed him on for what five more years during the course of the season. So he's going to be around for a while. Um, I think McGovern's probably a bit old now to make him captain. I think if McGovern, so, um, and I don't think the other one that was earmarked as a captain before has been Duggan. I don't think Duggan's form's really strong enough to say he's he's captain material. But Barat, you know, as Ben is, he, he fucking pant. I don't, I don't think King took a mark inside fifty. I know he took a couple up on the wing, mm. but I'm, I've. I can't remember him taking a mark inside 50. Um, and just about every one-on-one contest that Barras was involved with King, he won. And we talked about it last week. Um, 
about the need for him to take King's body before the, the contest, and that's absolutely what he was doing. He was bashing into King every chance he got, making sure he didn't get a good run at the footy. Um, it was a great game, and, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, everyone would be buying Tommy Brown. I'm buying him as captain for, for next year because Chewy obviously needs to, to step away from the role. Bender, take us home. Who is your buy candidate for the week? Uh, well, it was Barras, so I'm glad Keith got to steal it before I did. Um, but um, I, I, I was, I had the the emergency was going to be um, was going to be Liam Ryan, um, partly because I've had him as a sell and a hold for the past two weeks. So it's good that he's moved up into a buy. Um, so, but I think he's, um, you know, he's he's doing what he can do without scoring goals. You know, you just want him chasing and and being a nuisance and and moving around and he's been doing that for the most part and I think that's you know it's the old saying if you if you you know chasing the player and doing stuff without the ball you'll you'll you know you'll create something for yourself and that's that's what he's doing I've been pretty impressed with with what looked like was going to be you know it looked like it was going to be a dropping coming if if you know if we had the personnel I would have thought that 3 weeks ago he would have been sent sent back to the reserves and I think he's redeemed himself over the past 3 weeks at least We'll move along and we will discuss Andrew Gaff. Now he's set to notch up game 250 for the West Coast Eagles. The most appearances by a Victorian for the Eagles, which uh, if, you, if you're interested in that sort of angle, it's certainly one approach. But this is a guy that, I mean, we were at our lowest air ball close to it when we drafted him. That draft was compromised by Gold Coast as well. So it wasn't even like we came in and went, yep, beautiful, we're getting the number one pick. We sort of had to make do with what we what we had and... Pretty much from day one, he was promised that he'd be the fittest guy on the field. He'd be death by a thousand cuts. And that's what he's been. You know, Keyes, I'm looking at the records now and he's touched the ball more than anybody in Eagles history. He's got the most disposals. He's got the most kicks. Uh, he's, he's five marks away from being in the top five. And you look at the, the people ahead of him, Hearn, Cox, Kennedy, Darling, and then Embley. You'd assume he catches Embley even maybe this weekend. So potentially our best winger ever. I know that's a hard sell given some of the fantastic options we've had there, but you draft a guy in the first round with a really high draft pick coming off of a shocking season in 2010. And what do you get? You get 10 consecutive top tens in the club champs. You get, I think he finished fourth in the Brownlow one year. He's won the club champs, you know, a couple all Australians, most disposals in Eagles history, this sort of stuff. Keys, it's fair to say for a pick scrawny winger, they could go one or two ways. Well, Andrew Gaff has absolutely delivered for us over the journey. Yeah, he, he has. He's a, he's a funny sort of player because he's not – the death by a thousand cuts is probably as as good a description of a player that you'll get because mm. he doesn't do he doesn't do anything particularly flashy. He's not – you know, he's not going to stand on someone's shoulders, take a grab. He's not going to kick a goal from a banana in the pocket. Um, he's not going to barrel through guys or anything like that. Um He'll stand under the footy when it's his turn. If someone's coming at it, you saw it in his first game. He got fucking poleaxed by Aaron Edwards, bounced back up and just kept going. I mean, Jonas knocked him knocked him into next month in a game against Port Adelaide a while back. Um, he's done one controversial thing in his career, um, which, you know, we all know about. Cost him a grand final, cost him a premiership. Mm. Um, but he's just, he just, Goes on. I think I, the funny thing is, I, I remember in two, you know, in 2010, you're pissed off. Said, oh, shit. You know, we, the one time we win the wooden spoon, we don't even get pick one, we get pick four because of the Gold Coast concessions. 
Gold Coast took Sam Day, Harley Bennell and David Swallow. Now, mm. I'm taking Gaff over of every one of those guys. There's not, you know, I mean, I mean, Bennell had way more talent and had he kept his head straight, he would have been a way better footy, but footy player, but, you know, we know, we know that, unfortunately, the path that, that sort of he went down. And um, so as much as we didn't get the first pick, we we got a guy. And, and the guys, I think at the time, we were, the, the decision was like Heppel and Pollock were the other two guys that were being discussed as maybe around pick four. I think there was someone else, but I can't for the life of me remember who it was. Um, but we, we got that right. Um He's been pretty durable. He hasn't missed a lot of games. Mm. Um, and as much as there's, and I, 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 I don't disagree with the people that sort of think, oh, it'd be nice to, to maybe move him one at the end of the year. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. He said during his press conference he'd love to be a one-club player. He's contracted for the next three years. So whether people like it or not, um, it looks like he's going to be around. If he plays three more years, he's going to be – he's in a race with Darling to be our next 300-game player. Mm. Both those guys have got three years, three-year contracts, three years on their contract. So um, they're both going to hit – they're both going to hit enough – will have enough opportunities if they stay fit. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been exemplary off the field. He's never done anything wrong or anything like that. And for the most part, he's been – He's been reliable. I mean, he does he does what the club has asked of him. Um, you know, we we've talked about uh, you know we don't want to see him in the centre square, um, but he doesn't shirk it when it's put upon but him. But when he's there, he does what he is. Okay, he's hmm. got you know he's not the greatest he's not the greatest tackler in the no. world. But that's you know he's an outside runner. I, I think I do think we'll find at the end of the year that he's been. He's been carrying some sort of injury because I don't think we've seen we haven't seen the best of Gaff this year by any stretch. I don't think no. he's been fully fit, and I I just hope that maybe next year that um, he gets a, a proper preseason. I mean, he probably drops a little bit of weight because he does look a bit heavier than than what he has in the past. Um, rack him on, put him on the wing, and just say run up and down the fucking wing because that's what he that's that's where he's best. Um, so. You know, he's only eleventh guy. The only eleventh guy to hit two hundred and fifty for the club, mm. and anyone who plays two hundred and fifty goes over. You're a good footballer. You know, you're you're a fucking good football if you play that. So good luck to him. We're six four in two hundred and fiftieth games. So, but we've never won a two hundred and fiftieth game on the road. So, you know, but I hope uh, I hope they do have a win for him on the weekend because he deserves it. Absolutely. Uh... Bender, we talked about availability there, and I'm just going through the numbers. 17 games in his first season, uh, and then you go through the rest, and it's pretty much 100% across the board. 24 the next year, 22, 22, 25, 22, 24, 19 in 2018. And, of course, you know, the big a big part of his legacy is the Brayshaw incident and the fact that he's missed the grand final from it. So, obviously, he's missed some games there. 22 the following year. He played 18 in 2020, which was every game of the season, shortened season. 21, and he's played, you know, 13 of our, what, 18-odd games thus far as well. So he plays 21 games a season. This is a guy that's always available. He's always available to the defenders as well because he's running wing to wing and flank to flank and covering all sorts of distance. He's, as Keith said, you put his highlights package together, it might not be the sexiest highlights package in the world, but 
He's made the All-Australian team twice, and both those years we made the grand final. He's been a really crucial player for the Eagles. Yeah, not a lot I can add to what Keith said. He covered it pretty well. Um, your dur- durability is just huge, you know, and mm. t- takes a knock, never complains about it. Um, you know, not not much. Yeah, like I said, it was all covered pretty well from Keys. I think the only, you know, when you think about three more years ahead, I, I hope that he can maybe reinvent himself a little bit, maybe change something up. Maybe, like you, you know, he said, he was off the half forward flank. Um, this week, maybe he can add something else to his bow um, or to his game, you know what I mean, rather than just the, the running that we always had. Or if we go back to some sort of game plan where we can utilise his his running, then I hope he can get back to his best. Because, you know, it, it, there is unfortunately that that creeping doubt of, you know, do we want him on the list going forward? Jeez, oh, he'd, he'd love him on the list, you know, if, if, he can, if he can fit in. But, yeah, it's all been covered pretty well and just really, you know, it's, it's great, been good to see him just play from the start. He's come in from, I think he was, was he sub round one for the, he was, for yeah. 2011? Yep. Um, yep. And from then on, and he's just, he's built and, and really, you know, you know, it has an occasional average game, but hasn't really let the club down. He's always done what he needed to do and has always shown up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm interested to see what Gaff looks like going forward. And I've, I think I was a holdout on the, Andrew Gaff's not quite right sort of train this year. You know, I, I didn't really want to believe it, but I've sort of come around to it. And I do maybe think, okay, we might be better going forward without him. That said, they've shown a willingness. They played him off the half forward flank. I think that was just to expose some of the younger guys. But if they can find a role for him, and you know he's always going to be available to us to play. So if they can find a way to navigate it and get a, a couple more good seasons out of him, that would be fantastic. To be honest, look, if you tell me we can get a good pick for him, and if we eat some salary at the moment, I'd probably say that as well. But I don't really want the future of Andrew Gaff, I guess, to shape people's celebration of his milestone because he's been a really tremendous asset to the Eagles. He was he was the best winger in football for a number of years, you know, and if he wasn't, he was absolutely in the discussion worthy of an All-Australian spot, worthy of the All-Australian squad. So fantastic work, Andrew Gaff. You know, game 250 coming up. And as Key said, look, hopefully he can get a win. Uh, I'll just add before we move yeah. on, I think the, the, the one thing that I didn't say before, and that's why you know, I had sort of mixed feelings about sort of thinking, I hope he, he moves on. Um, he's been incredibly loyal. I mean, it was times he was the clear best winger for a period of years from sort of 2014, 2015 to, to 2019. He was the prototype wingman in the competition. Um, and he had clubs coming really, really hard for him. Um, and even... You know, the deal he's on now, people say, oh, we should, you know, maybe we should let him go to North. He still took less money to stay than what North were offering him. And they, they and that were was, this and that close. Was in, they and announced it. They thought they had that, him. Yeah. And that was in a year where his dad died. He had, no one would have, no one would have begrudged him going home mm. at the end of 2018. But he felt that he had unfinished business and he wanted to stay. And he's, he's been remarkably loyal. And I think, now, when people talk about trading him, I think we'd need to remember that, that there was a time when he could quite easily have left and he, he backed the club. So if he if he came to the if he came into the club and said, I want to go, I want to go back to Victoria, great, you know, that's it. And and he goes with everyone's blessing. What I would hate to see is to clap Tapper on the shoulder and say, Fuck off, Andrew, you your time here is done. I think that would be a massive any support that suggests that we should just push him out the door doesn't understand how footy clubs work. 
If he wants to leave, fine. But no way should we be saying to him, um, it's time to go. We will sort of, I suppose, merge the next two things into one another because they're both taking place this weekend alongside Gaffey's 250th. It's round 20 against the Gold Coast Suns. It is Adam Simpson's 200th game coaching the West Coast Eagles. Uh, Before we get into the Suns game, Bender, let's talk quickly about Simo. Obviously, we've discussed him at length in terms of his future and what we need to see from him and this sort of stuff. Similar chat to Gaff, though, I suppose, is let's park the future element of it. Let's just talk about what we've had and what we've seen. He came in needing to take over from Wusha. It was probably the right time for a handover, but still not an easy task. And he's taken a list. It's been a solid list the whole way through. You know, he's kept the same players with just a little bit of finesse around the edge. He's turned him into a real force. And okay, we're on the downslide at the moment. Now it's time to turn over to the future. But for that period of time that Simo's been at the helm, the Eagles have been one of the most successful clubs, you know, since he's come in. And much like Gaff, we needed to nail the pick. And, and you know, Bender, it's fair to say that I think we did. Yeah, look, you know, besides the, the shambles that 2020 and 21 were simply because of COVID, you know, and itself, let alone, you know, the, the downturn of our team. Um, yeah. Those years from when he came in were some of the, you know, they've been some amazing years of football, especially 2015, where we just showed up and, you know, no one expected us to do what we did in 2015, showing that we couldn't follow it through. But what, what I think stood out was that, um, I, you know, usually I think a coach can have a habit of they, they go to a team and they say, I want these players in my team because this is the game style I want to play. It really felt like he's looked at the list and said, no, we're going to play this game style because of the players that we have on the team. And he worked to our strengths. He worked to our, you know, our um, our home ground that we had at Subi and how we played because of that, you know what I mean? And then since then he's moved towards, you know, playing better at Optus. But we always... he. Brought an attractive style of game, which was, you know, kick mark football, which is, you know, what you want to see. Like, you know, it's pressure and, and you know, the the chaos of Richmond football. You know, it's wins and games, but, you know, like, is it, is it really skillful? Like he, he really brought that to our club. And, yeah, the past couple of years have been average, but I don't know. You, you, you would have said in, at the after 2018 that there wasn't a single Eagles fan that didn't love him and what, what he had done. Like there was nothing to complain about, and um, yeah, I'm kind of happy that he's got to 200 games. And well, we know he's got three more years left on his contract, so he could have a lot more coming up. Keys uh, Bender there talked about you know the successes and, and tailoring the side, things like that. Developmentally, there were guys like Shepard. That's always the one I'm going to associate with Simo the most. There are other guys, but Shepard was drafted sort of as a midfielder and never quite fit, never quite knew what he was or who he could be. Suddenly in 2015, we found a role for him. We've turned him into our premier small defender. McGovern came along in, in leaps and bounds. And again, you know, with, with all things, it's always a discussion. How much was that the talent? How much is that the coaching? But guys like Gov have come along under Simo. Shep's come along. Uh, the Ruck roulette of, you know, Lysette, we got plenty of good footy out of him. Vardy, we got good footy out of him for a period of time. You know, Hickey, these sorts of guys that weren't prize candidates at other clubs or perhaps haven't gone on to bigger and better things in some instances. But we got plenty of good footy out of what we had. And he's it's fair to say he's also capitalised on a very, very good spine of the team. So uh, fantastic to see Simo notch this one up, Case. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people sort of dismiss Simpson a little bit on the basis that so he inherited a, a good list and all the players that, like, a lot of the 2015 grand final side, the, the, the 2018 premiership side, were already on the list when um, when he took over. Mm. I think 
people used to forget at the end of 2013, we were a fucking rabble. There was no one looking at, at 2013. We were a pretty listless, worst folded sort of, um, worst folded was basically sort of just going through the motions. I mean, no one, no one was surprised that worst fold retired. I mean, mm. a lot of people suggested he was pushed. Um, there was no one saying we had a great list. He wasn't the popular selection. The popular selection was Sumich. Mm. Um, that's where, you know, most people thought that's where it was going to come in. So the board made a, a pretty courageous decision. May not be quite the right word, but a brave decision to to um, to appoint Simpson. Um, he was still pretty young. He was still only mid, he was like 35, 36, something like that. He's he aged. Had, he hadn't had a huge amount of time at Hawthorne. He had like three three years, maybe four years at Hawthorne as an assistant. So he wasn't super experienced. Um, it took a bit of time in 2014. I think we, I think he won his first game and then I think mid-season we were like three or four wins. Mm. Um, and then came home in the back half of 2014 and ended up, we missed finals by a game or maybe even just percentage. Might have been percentage. Um, might have been percentage, or it might have been a game where, I, if I remember rightly, Sydney rolled over against Richmond in the last because they didn't need they just rested players and Richmond won the game they needed to to get eighth in front of us or something like that. Um, we got awfully fucking close in his. We first were a year. win out. We were we were four points out. Yeah, but I think if 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 Richmond didn't win that game, we had Richmond covered on percentage. Comfortably, we had yeah the sixth yeah. or seventh best percentage yeah. in footy. So it was Richmond beating Sydney, which was an upset. But Sydney, no, they were heading towards the grand final, so um, they they were. But uh, you know, he sort of he came up with a game plan that went against. Uh, you know, it was different. Kick mark it was a little bit different, and we sort of got ahead in the competition. He said, you know, he said earlier this year, he's, that's what he's he's trying to do now. He's come up with a game plan that doesn't catch up to the comp that gets in front of it. Um, so, you know, circumstances have shot him in the foot this year. Um, we've had three coaches coach 200 games and he, um, I think we'll struggle. I don't think anyone, he'll take someone to do something pretty special to reach Malthouse as our best ever coach because Malthouse established a legacy at West Coast that we're still building on now. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's equivalent to Worstfold. You can probably argue the toss as to whether or not he was better or worse or, or whatever. Um, it'll depend on how he goes in the next two or three years as to where he stands in comparison to Worsfold. Um, but he's got, you know, he's, we're not doing heroes and villains this week. If I had a hero, I was going to go for Simo's son that that told told his old man that Simo said, clean your room. He said, win a game. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fair... Yeah, the thing about Simo, he has got a pretty good sense of humour, um, and I, I think he hasn't lost that. I think he's 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 stuck fat throughout this what would be a really trying year for him, um, but he hasn't lost his shit. Mm. You know, he, he hasn't he hasn't lost it. I mean, I'm sure he gets sick of answering questions about North or stuff like that. He hasn't fucking barked at a reporter. He hasn't. Gone and gone to a Rezzy's match and abused the opposition players, or, or um, you know, fuck someone from admin or anything like that. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So yeah, I as much as I like, I'd like us to, for us to have a, a win as well, just to see 
Simo, because he, I think he he's put through a lot, and yeah, he's been good for the club. Uh, Anthony in the comments here saying that one of the things he admires about Simo, he's never too doom and gloom, but he also is never too over the top positive. Stable is one hundred percent how I'd describe him. I think the Simo we see in presses is probably not the Simo that the players see. I think that's probably one of the bigger misconceptions that I've always struggled with when I see people posting up on Big Footy and things like that because he's not there screaming at anybody and he's not throwing shit off the table in a presser or lining up Tom Morris and telling him to get stuffed. I don't think that means he doesn't care. I think he is very good at saying this is, you know, he's and he's even copped to this in the past sort of, Within the walls, we're going to tell you the message that we need, but outside the walls, I'm always going to stand up for you. And I think that's a good trait to have in a coach. I suppose the one last thing I'd say on Simo, it's never a bad thing to win a flag. It's never, ever a bad thing to win a flag, obviously. But the discussion around where we are now hinges on the fact that he won the flag in 2018. If you go back to the end of 2017, our list was awful. It would take a miracle for us to even make the eight the next year. I know some of them are pretty stupid, but there were pundits that had us in the bottom four or last or whatever it might be. So, hey, Robert. You know. <laughs> yeah, g'day, Wolsey, if you're listening. He's, he turned the club around in a few little mini incremental ways along the way. Obviously, we've got a big challenge on our hands now, but uh, all the best to Simo in game 200. And, and, gents, I suppose it starts here. So we're playing the Suns. Thank you very much to Oka pointing out it starts at 10 past 11, not 10 to 12, which is a mistake I did make against Hawthorne. I might have missed the opening couple of minutes of that one. Uh, but Bender, I mean, for the ins and outs, Sunday game, hard to say exactly who's coming in, but we do know who's going out. It's Bazo, Rotham and Witherden. They are all out injured. Kennedy is out managed ahead of potentially a, uh, a farewell game for him. The ins for me, Bender, it's it's Nat Nui, Rioli, Petricelli and SPS. They're the first cabs off the rank for me, but is there somewhere else you'd like to see us go with team selection? And, and what are you expecting to see from the boys on Sunday? No, look, I think they're the ones most likely to come in, the ones that deserve a game at least. Um, Clark, I think, is, has been a bit of, had a bit of an unlucky year, but I don't, I don't know if they're going to throw him in this year for the sake of it and say, like, okay, mm. it's time for you to have a run or not. So I think it could be between SBS and, um, and Clark. Look, I, I don't know why Langdon w- would get a game at this point. Um, he's still got a year on his contract, if I remember correctly, so it's not like they're, they're putting him in to you know, play for your career or anything like that. I don't think he earned his, he's earned his spot. I don't think he's needed with Petrocelli and um, and Rioli available. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty sure the the four that you've said are likely, if anyone's going to miss out, it'd be Petreski, Seaton, and Clark to come in. Um, but yeah, look, I think I think we've missed uh, Petrocelli and and Rioli in our forward line for the past few weeks. I think um, you know just quickly touching back on the on the Saints game, the, the, the amount of inside 50s we had in that third that would just fall front and square and, and yeah. Saints would walk it out. Um, you know, we, we were really missing forward pressure from our smalls and, and crummers from our smalls. So I think they will make a big difference. Um, so it's good to have those two in. Um, it's just a shame, yeah, that the others are, are out because they're injured instead of, um, you know, rewarding form for Bazo and Rotham. Disappointing to see them not on the injury report. We're always doing the uh, injury shenanigans here at the West Coast Eagles. Uh, Both June and Keeley are both saying in the comments here that they're getting a chance to get around it. So fantastic to see some Queensland Eagles representing well at the ground, first and foremost, but also in the comments. Please, guys, definitely jump on and and let us know after the game how it all went and how you saw things at the ground. Maybe a bit of insight that we might not get on TV. Keys, the Suns are a strange one. 
They're up and down. They're as up and down as anybody in football. We've just seen that with the Saints. But all season, it's been, okay, this is it. This is the year they're going to make the finals. This is the year that they're going to figure it all out. They've got the talent. You look at the list and it's pretty solid, but they just go through these stretches where they'll have a game. They look awful. They look like the expansion side suns again and and not even worth it. Then again, West Coast have absolutely struggled every time we go to Queensland. The conditions seemingly don't suit us. Although we have seen the club be a little bit more willing to scrap and and get down in the mud. So what are you expecting on Sunday? We've got an inconsistent side against a side that seemingly can't get it done in in the wet. Yeah. Suns are pretty good. I mean, they've made some pretty good strides this year. Um, I think they've genuinely been pretty competitive. Um, they've got a good midfield, which will trouble us, and they've got a good ruck in Wits. And I think even if you go back to round one, Wits um, probably won his battle against Natanui. So, um, so yeah, they're a, they're a solid. So I think they're on the way. They're on the way up, and I think um, and I think they've genuinely been pretty hard to beat on the Gold Coast. I think the games at the Gold Coast they've been have won not all of them, but they've won most of them. Um, it being a gay day, I don't know what the weather forecast is up there, June. You maybe you can tell us. It's going to be dry. Um, so a day game, a day game, I think probably helps us. Um, certainly, if it was at night and it was dewy, um, I'd be far less. I wouldn't be giving us a chance at all. Uh, so, um, if we can sort of, it, it's sort of whether or not you know. Miller and Raul and Anderson, they got hold of us in round one. Mm. It's whether if we can, you know, curtail their their influence. Um, you know, God, I think Casbolt's been having a decent season and Choll's been having a decent season, but they're not they're not forwards that necessarily strike fear into you. Um, Collins is a super defender, so he'll be a problem for us, and he'll probably end up picking up Darling, I imagine. Um, which I don't know is a great matchup for Collins because he's a little bit slow. Mm, a bit bigger, um, yeah. Darling's a bit smaller. Yeah, Darling, hopefully if Darling could get his bike a little bit and run him around, um, but I'll just be that midfield if we can get enough footy through there. Um, I I think, maybe, I think yeah, definitely um, Natanelli and Rioli coming in. I think Petrescu seaton would be almost definite. Um, Patch on a bit. I'm a little bit iffy on, mainly because I don't think he played Waffle last weekend, so he's maybe a little bit underdone. I I suspect we might look at Dixon coming in with Kennedy and Rotham both going out. Um, I don't necessarily endorse that, but I I think against Gold Coast, we probably want the run, so I'd I'd rather we went for for Patch. The only other one, I don't want to see Langdon shouldn't be anywhere near the side. Oh, I wouldn't mind giving us. I wouldn't mind Clark having a go and just saying, "Look, go on the guts." Um, and I wouldn't report. I would. I wouldn't be upset if we replaced Foley with someone either, given what we discussed about Foley earlier. So, it, uh, mm. yeah, it's going to be. I mean, we're seventeenth, one two games for the year, so it's no surprise to say it's going to be a tough game because they're all fucking tough. Um, but you know, it's. It's winnable, I suppose, if we we put the effort in. I don't, I won't, I don't expect us to win, um, but I, I would, I would expect that we, would at least push them, and the result, sort of similar to what round one was, would be, would be a fair effort. You know, we lost by what three or four goals against Gold Coast in round one. 
Yeah, um, and our midfield setup was, you know, Patrice Seaton in his first game was playing heavy midfield minutes because I don't know that we had anybody available beyond Kelly and yeah. maybe, so maybe Redden. Something, something, like, something like that would be, you know, but it'd be nice to... It'd be nice to actually get a win rather than a like a semi-honourable loss. Yep, and obviously with the milestones that we touched on, for me, and I think a few people have mentioned it in the comments, so send Foley back. Foley covers Bazo, SPS covers Witherden, and then Petch covers where Foley has just been. So there's your forward, and then just go Willie for JK. That's it for me. I don't think we need to bring in Dixon because Nat Nui and Williams can both, they'll cover a full game between them. There's plenty of time for Williams to go down as a forward. And also, I've been liking what I've seen from Waterman lately. So, you know, he's, he's able to play forward, clunk the marks, and he's looking a little bit better as a key option. So explore that. See, see how that goes. Darling and Waterman with a little bit of Bailey Williams. That's fine by me. Uh, Bender, just on that forward line matchup, you know, you talked about you're happy with Liam Ryan. We're all assuming Willie's going to come back in. Well, Mac Andrew making his debut here for the Suns as well. Collins and Andrew, they've got good size, but you wonder, is that maybe a, a little area to exploit. If the mids can get the supply, can we turn the screw on a first gamer a little bit? Yeah, look, I'm thinking, um, you know, I, I'm hoping Hugh Dixon doesn't come in. It's not my preference. I think, you know, earlier on the year when, when we needed someone, he, he did, you know, he did all right. But I'm, I'm hoping Williams plays a lot more out of the square. Um, I, I hope that that Simo doesn't think, oh, well, I, I want Darling close to the goal because he's the experience um, because I don't, I think it's going to work well for Darling, and I don't think it'll work well for Williams. So I'm hoping he plays Williams deep and Darling roaming and Waterman roaming that bit more. Um, so I think it is something we can do, um, and I'm, so I'm hope you know Williams can take a couple of grabs. It was good to actually see him keep, keep that goal last week, actually, because as soon mm. as he marks 30 metres out, you're like, oh, this could go anywhere. Um, yep. So I'm hoping he can he can build on his form from last week and and take a couple of marks. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate that that we look less potent, obviously, with. Uh, 700 gold full forward out but I think with you know Rioli in he adds that you know a little bit of an unknown x factor and it helps us out with with um, Kennedy out so two questions coming through here in the comments that keys I think we can explore now in terms of the the big matchups Chol and Casbolt obviously they're going to go to Edwards and Barass in one way or another or they'll swap them around uh Chol by the way I think is one of the only two players to kick a goal every single week this year so wait for him to bob up and kick one but the two interesting matchups, for a start, Miller. Uh, we've got a comment here from Aaron saying, should Cully follow Took Miller around, see how it's done? And the other one is the Rankin matchup. This is one we've struggled with, you know, in fits and starts before. Rankin had a nice game in round one. And again, this is where we go back to, it would be Tom Cole. It would be Brad Shepard, these guys that we've not had available. But let's start with the with the Cully and Miller. Is that something you want to see? Do you play them head-to-head? And then also, how do we go about combating one of the more lively small forwards in footy at the moment? I think Cully would be better suited to Rao. Um, yeah. You know, sort of similar pace, big body, especially into each other. Um, I wouldn't be against seeing Redden go to Miller, um, you know, or just back ourselves and just go, right, let's just go head-to-head. Miller's going to get the footy anyway. Um, Doug in the ranking, yeah, probably not ideal, but he's probably our best option. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know that we've got anyone else that, that suits Rankin other than, you know, maybe we um we say to Foley, look, you just sacrifice your game and you just sit on Rankin, just sit on him. Um, you know, we're not – Foley's not going to give us any drive anyway, so just sit him on Rankin and just go, right, we don't give a shit if you get two possessions, just keep Rankin to five. Um, so, yeah, that'd be the, the way I'm 
I'm leaning. Um, and I wouldn't mind whoever plays on uh, a forward, whoever gets picked up by Collins, I wouldn't mind that player just running and just going and sitting in the pocket, just drag Collins away from the play um, and try and get him away from that intercept role that he plays for them. Run Darling up the ground and stick Ryan in the square, maybe, or just try and exploit. Yep. And just yeah, and that's how, maybe that's how we utilise Waterman and say, look, we want you to try and draw Collins away from the away from the play and allow yeah allow Darling to run up the ground and just yeah Ryan Ryan out of the out of the goal square is a dangerous proposition for any side. Um, he was leading goal kicker at Subiaco, playing exactly that role, mm. um, and. Yeah, if we're not playing, and I, I agree with Bender, I don't really want to see Dixon in the side, I can see it. But if we come in with Petch and Rioli, um, yeah, use some run. I think we're... Um... Skid it in as well. We've seen teams do this against Gov, and it's some of it I think is wishful thinking from the commentators on, on poor kicks, but just kick it in low. You don't need to bang it to the top of the square every time. Kick it in low. Kick it near Rioli. Kick it near Ryan. See what happens. Yeah, yeah. I Miguel's trying to be fucking funny about Kelly. Um, but maybe maybe um, put Kelly on Miller if uh, you know try and use that match up and, and and maybe try and expose Miller for not running the other way a little bit. Uh, so Bender, I'm looking at the Suns, and you know how much I love footy wire. You know how much I like the rankings. First in hitouts, uh, they're in the top five for inside fifties. They're in the top five for clearances. They're last in possessions. They're last in handballs. They're seventeenth in marks. So it's not it's not kick mark. It's not rush the ball like Richmond and chain handballs. It's win it off wits, who's arguably the best ruckman in the comp at the moment, and just get it get it in. Get it straight in and uh, lock it in once you're inside 50. So a big game for Nick Nat coming up. And uh, Bender, I'll let you lead us off with the tips as well. It's going to be an interesting battle, that Nick Nat versus Wits, and, and Wits definitely got the better of the Eagles early on in the season. So is that the main matchup you're looking for? And, and is there enough there do you think the Eagles can get a win on Sunday? Uh, look, I'm, I'm going to get one right. Eventually, and it might take you know, I might not be on the show again, but I'm, I might get one right just through the comments. So, I'm going to tip the Eagles this week, but I'm going to go just through a scrape over the line by three points. I'm going to go, it's for unbelievable. It. Man's just going to <laughs> it tip the Eagles every yet. week until we so win I'm a game. I'm going to broken clock it at some point. Um, Nicely and done. um, then uh, I think, look, I think I, I my, my player to watch, um. I'm hoping is, well, you know, a bit of hope and a bit of confidence is Williams. Um, you know, I, look, I think with Kennedy out and Nadanui in, I think he gets the, the, you know, decent balance between being a ruckman and being a forward that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can see something special from him. But, yeah, look, I'll, I'll always go on confident and see how we go. But, yeah, maybe not as confident as usual. We've... Um... I've debuted the we've got the grumpy octopus back there and the, I'll, I'll bring that up there if you can see in my screen but a little bit unhappy because we lost to the Saints so we'll we'll swing that one inside out next week Bender according to you Keys do you share Bender's enthusiasm are the Eagles going to get a win in round twenty I don't think so I just <laughs> um I I just I just don't quite I actually do think Gold Coast they're a pretty solid team. And I don't, I don't think they'll they'll let it slip. There's still a little, there's still a, a very slim outside chance of making finals. Mm. Um, I think we'll push them, but I think we'll probably, you know, three to four goals. I think we'll um, we'll lose by, and I think it'll be a bit of rinse and repeat from the last, you know, since the bye. We'll we'll be thereabouts at three quarter time, but 
just won't have the just won't be able to finish it off. Um, and I, I, I really do think I think Kelly will bounce back. I mean, he's pretty he's a pretty proud fella, um, and I think he'll he'll be he'll be stung by by the by the criticism, and he'll he'll want to um, push it and have a have a pretty big game. So I think Kelly's best on for us. Um, but I think yeah, I, I worry about someone like Rankine sort of jumping up and and really hurting us because you know it was you know I said the same as much as Butler got a couple of seagull goals late in the game. You know it was five from him, six from Bruce the week before. Mm. You know they, those small forwards have have chopped us up. So Rankin and he's been Rankin's had a couple of down games of late as well. So. Yeah, you know, he'll he'll be pretty keen to to bounce back and sort of get off the leash a little bit and have an impact. Difference between Rankin and those forwards is that Rankin's absolutely shit, and I will not hear otherwise. He kicks a good goal, and they bloody love him. But boy, he's inconsistent as all hell. Kick four goals against us in round one for whatever that's worth. Uh, we got a little bit of optimism in the chat. I think maybe it's just sort of jumping on the positivity train. I don't know how much of it is founded. We've got forty posies and two goals for Gaff here in a comment. Thirty posies and two goals for Cully. So we. Midfielders are going to kick us home in this one. Look, I think the Suns will have too much. Uh, it was Anthony that pointed out we only had 38 tackles in round one when we last played them. Even though it might be a bit drier than it typically is on the Gold Coast, it it's always turns into a scrap eventually. Whenever we play in Queensland, we seem to run out of legs. It's not, I don't know if it's humidity or if it's the ground, what it is, but we seem to tire in, in Queensland a little bit. So I think Keys is right. It might be one of those where we're a little bit close at three-quarter time and then fades away. So I think the Suns are going to have too much. For me, who do I want to see impress us? I mean, Gaff for his 250th, of course, would be fantastic. Uh, I'm going to say Hoff. I've talked about him a lot, talked about how much I like him. We've all acknowledged maybe he was a bit down last week and a few calls on the board to give him a rest and, and give him a spell. But let's see what he's got. And hopefully Willie Rioli as well, just from a personal point of view. He has a good game, gives us a few highlights. And, you know, as Keyes mentioned, the spirit's been good amongst the boys. So... Hope that Willie Bob's up, kicks a goal. I'd love to see everybody come from everywhere and get around him. It would be great. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens on Sunday. Gents, I reckon we will leave it there. We've got some neighbours' comments coming through in the chat. We've got people talking about the ticket price for the Gold Coast Suns. June, I hope you can secure your seats and, and get in. Give us a little bit of a recap when you do. Uh, but other than Don't that, that ben, hey? Don't Gold Coast give them away because I've got no fucking fans. Well, there you go, June. Hit them up. Hit up the club. Say that, you know, say that you're uh, important. You're a you big need a coast. free ticket. Just tell, just tell them you're a big coast supporter. That's not even a lie. There you go. So, yeah, that's it. Say up the coasters and, and get on there. Are we doing the live call, says Miguel? I don't know if that was an offer, but let's discuss it after the fact. It might be one of our last chances to chat away through a bit of a live call. But anyway, uh, Bender, thank you very much for jumping on the show again, mate. Hope you're right. Evidence is yet to sort of look great, but let's <laughs> let's let's hope you're right this week. I've got a streak going at least, but yeah, thanks for having me on. Cheers. No worries. Fantastic. Keys, great to see you. I hope uh, you've taped Neighbours and you can get back into it and catch up on what you've missed. Oh, shit. It'll be the first show of Neighbours I've ever watched if I, that was the fucking case, so not likely. There you go. Well, thank you to the people who chose us instead of the Neighbours finale, and uh, hopefully the Eagles make it all worthwhile for us on Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. We've uh, got a fair bit to cover in the next couple of weeks as well, because Kennedy will be wrapping up, you'd think, at some point, and you know, there's all the off-season stuff of who do we trade, who do we delist, all this good stuff. But for now, let's just hope the Eagles get a win and we'll talk to you next time. Bye for now. Bye.